Hello and welcome to this talk on next generation art brought to you by Affordable Art Fair and Arts Emergency. This talk was recorded live at Affordable Art Fair Battersea Autumn 2023 and features UK Fair director Hugo Barclay and panellists Nefertiti Aboshi Shandor and Neil Griffiths. We hope you enjoy it. Hi everybody, um, I'm Hugo, the, uh, the Fair director here, um, but yeah, so pleased to welcome you to our next generation talk. So I'm so pleased to welcome um, Neil Griffiths. Neil is a, an activist and co-founder and CEO of Arts Emergency. He's, he's also known for his work with global rights group No Sweat. Um, Arts Emergency is our, the um, charity partner for the Affordable Art Fair for this edition. Um, they, they're a mentoring charity that support underserved young people, uh, defend the arts and humanities in education, and mobilize um, a national network of 9,000 artists, academics, activists and advocates uh, to build a fairer future for the creative and cultural industries. So welcome, Neil. So nice to have you and uh, yeah, looking forward to talking. Um, and then we're also so pleased to have uh, Nefertiti Oborshi Sandorf. Uh, Nefertiti is a producer of site-responsive performance, audio, moving image uh, in non-gallery context. She's a member of Arts um, on the Underground Advisory Panel. Uh, she's also a trustee of Artichoke Trust who work with artists to create extraordinary and ambitious public art in cities um, and the countryside and the co and coastlines. She's also the artistic director of Peckham Platform, a creative and educational charity. And um, she's also the, uh, the curator of the recent graduate exhibition, which is right here. Um, so she's um, went, went and discovered um, and found lots of artists from different deg degree shows at the beginning of the summer to put together this exhibition. So, so pleased to, to welcome you both. Um, today's talk is um, how we invest in emerging artists and top tips for, for young talent hoping to break into the art market. Talking about next generation artists, I like to start these talks with, with kind of defining what a next generation artist is today. Um, any thoughts on that, Nefertiti? Thank you for such a lovely intro. I'm really excited um, to be on this panel with you. Sometimes people, when they think of emergent artists, they think of young artists like... Um, people who are just out of school or just at the beginning of their journey, we tend to focus more on people at the beginning of their professional career. And so from experience, that can be people who are just beginning, but also um, beginning and who are younger, but that can also be people who've had a career change and may find that they're at the point where they want to focus on their artwork. Someone could be an emerging artist for 10 years, which is always like a bit of a funny, not funny, but like it's always an interesting thing that someone could be emerging for a decade and be in that. They tend not to have had as much um, gallery representation or solo shows or as much coverage. How are you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not an artist myself and I think about emerging artists and I always think I kind of conflate that with emerging thinkers, emerging citizens. Um, we work with people who are 16 uh, through a mentoring project and we meet them and we don't talk about career aspirations we talk about their interests and their passions and we pair them with people who are in a relative field subject career whatever it is and allow them to find their path so when I think about emerging artists I think it's it, my sightline is that people that are not even at the door of industry they're people who are emerging as creative individuals and thinkers themselves and it's all about trying to double down on that and build on that 
that's you know in a set of difficult circumstances so they stick to that path and then end up contributing to culture so i'm really interested to understand your relationship with um, with, with this group of of creatives and artists maybe neil you can share a little bit about about that what's your relationship with with next generation artists um well i suppose i, I the reason I set up Arts Emergency is because I think there is a marginalised majority globally, not just in the UK, and I think that it's incredibly important that the next generation, and that next generation we meet every year, and there's always a next generation, mm -hmm. get the chance to connect with people who are in mainstream culture, in mainstream academia, because these are the places that our sort of overall sense of self as a society are formed. So I think it's really important that our relationship is all about gratitude, empowerment, and wanting to just ensure that there's a fair chance for everybody that wants to get involved in culture, because culture only exists if people are involved in it, just like politics. Mm -hmm. um, we do everything we can and we put infrastructure around, not just highlighting opportunities, but long-term support. For talk, talk, talk to me about what you mean by infrastructure. Well, mentoring projects, um, our volunteer network, kind of operates like a an old boys network for the rest of us so it is about being able to reach out to people make connections get useful information access work experience opportunities and paid opportunities and build a network of peers which is really important you know you know it's not just about being the only person in the room from your community it's about being plugged into a wider sense of of belonging mm. in culture and, and that connection is something we're only really starting to again when I talk about infrastructure, it's practice and process, yeah. and it's then seeking funding to deepen that practice and, and shore up those processes. So it is, yeah. yeah, structuring engagements between people and kind of meeting emerging needs over time rather than setting up a whole project as if there's not been a whole raft of people that have already dropped out of industries and projects that have failed, accepting that there's a long generational issue that we're trying to just help along. And Tenebrity, you work you, you work on lots of different projects. Of course, you're the artistic director of Peckham Platform, so you, on a local basis, you work with young and emerging and next generation artists. But you also, you've also seen a lot of your some of your peers who who are practicing artists go through the ranks and, and evolve it through, through their career. Um, can you share a little bit about your relationship with with next gen artists? So I. I would say I've probably been a bit institutionalized in my arts education. Mm. <laughs> so I like I did the foundation, I did the BA, I did the MA, and it felt like there was a very ordered way of being and mm -hmm. finding your way through the arts. And um, what you spoke about around meeting emerging needs is like these needs change and they can be quite dynamic. Um, we've got artists here who are working class artists who've gone to a place like the RCA. But before you go into a place like the RCA, chances mm -hmm. are you've got to do a foundation somewhere. If you're older, that foundation doesn't get paid for. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got three years of doing a degree and then it's all of these steps. And so the artists I've worked with have come from a range of backgrounds. Some of them were very comfortable going through that, but there's a significant amount of them who were not especially comfortable going through that system. So my role, I felt from having gone through my education in the arts a bit older, was to support them and sort of translate for them in their role. So for example, there's an artist called Larry Achiampong, who I've worked with for years, and he graduated, I think, 2008 from Westminster. And 
he had if I say frustrations I mean stops and starts like being a young father for example this is all public being a young father um being working class um trying to figure out what the gallery system was like Mm -hmm. and so my work with him was doing his first funding application for the arts council Mm -hmm. or like one of his very very early funding applications for the arts council so me understanding how to do funding applications for somebody who was not especially comfortable with doing funding applications Mm -hmm. meant that he could focus on creating and making and translating those ideas sure yeah that's wonderful and and i mean and larry's career is he's been very extensive since then yeah i mean he's uh, had a solo show at freeze last week and so he's con- been very consistent uh, in, yeah. in, in his in his journey so a lot of, of a lot of that is just translating because we all have ways that we're comfortable in being in education and certain spaces but these spaces aren't necessarily how would you say diplomatically <clears throat> Well, I probably wouldn't say. Okay, so diplomatically, (laughs) like a lot of the times, it's about figuring out, like figuring out how you can. There's a reason why we support people for ten years, and that is an arbitrary cut because Mm. you know not enough people in culture and creative support what we do. Yeah, but they're difficult. It's difficult to sustain that path, let alone Mm. a career. Mm -hmm. I had a really interesting. I've been at a symposium in Manchester with 500 global art school leaders yesterday, Mm. and um, I was one of the provocators, provocateurs. Um, and I had a big two-hour breakout session talking about missions for those schools and what would mass participation look like in the academy, which I guess you could extend to the art industry in itself. There was a lot of talk around the ideas of excellence, the ideas of suffering, um, the need to lower thresholds to get into the kind of institutional path. Um, But yeah, I, I think what Nefertiti's talking about in terms of translating and supporting is exactly what our mentors do for young people and it's exactly what our coaches do for our older young people so when they yeah. are 18 to 26 there are a whole raft of different needs and you, you do and it's yeah. you'll hit different thresholds along your journey and if you're not plugged into that lived experience of getting over them or, yeah. or you don't understand them you can't contextualize your journey within that you drop out and, yeah. and the dropping out is something that everyone's concerned about global art school leaders are concerned about it art buyers you know are concerned about it yeah. and social justice causes are concerned about it as well so so looking at sort of art buyers um for those of us that don't work on this for an arts charity or, or or within the arts world how what are could you perhaps both of you share a bit of advice on how we can support the next generation of artists if you're perhaps someone who's come here and who's looking to you know buying but buying art from next generation artists is obviously a, an obvious thing because that directly supports someone's practice but are, are there other tangible things that we can do to support next generation artists as, as, a, as a punter perhaps coming here or generally well i mean the obvious thing to do is to visit our website and support our project um costs around a thousand pounds a year for someone's place um, and, and there's a lot of impact with that. But I think more broadly, I would say there's a lot of activity in this space around access that it can be performative. Mm-hmm. So it's very important when you are looking at causes, interrogate the model, look at how they're funded and think about mm-hmm. where you're best supporting it. From, from that kind of philanthropic angle, I think it's something that having built really a movement that's been funded by £5 monthly donations mm-hmm. in the arts, mm-hmm. there's nothing else like it. We've had no comparative models to kind of judge against and that's something I've constantly come up against is the the lack of critique 
that a lot of people that do support activity in this space bring to their kind of their power and how they deploy that i guess um, so yeah i would say fund mentors fund any causes that are working at the community level um, and for me my passion is empowering young people and making sure that they get into that yeah. that path so that they can you know that's brilliant what about you nefertc so following on from that point um you can go into a space and support the artist directly through um, buying an artwork. Um, if you are in the position to buy an artwork, um, you can also have, you can also support, I don't like to say the structure so much, but the people who are building an infrastructure to make sure that these things are sustainable. Um, so for example, Arts Emergency, you do amazing work. Um, you've also got places like the Artist Network. Um, you've also got places like DAX, where, where if you find out, and so we figured out, we spoke about DAX yesterday, and they make sure that artists get paid for their work in copyright. So like lots of artists don't necessarily know how to advocate for themselves. Um, so looking for artist advocacy groups and unions are really important, especially if you're just coming out and starting. Um, I'd say for mentors, a new direction, they are based in the Barbican, and you've also got um, creative I think it's a creative network, sorry, creative access network. Mm -hmm. So it's these opportunities. I like, I love them when I was a student because it's like, I have no idea about this part of the world. So finding out that you could get a short term role somewhere to get your foot in the door and to meet people like yourself and um, having that experience was really helpful. Um, and then also if you're the kind of person who's more civically minded, looking at your local authority and seeing what creative programming they've got there. So lots of local authorities, that's councils, um, they have commissioning programs and they tend to be commissioning for arts and social care. So it's also looking at it holistically. So, so it's we not can just get involved in them? Yeah, exactly. How you can support them, how you can get involved in them. Um, and as you say, like sign up if you can do £5 a month to go to an arts organisation. That accrues into being able to fund a programme that is a longer term program rather than yeah. just like a very short one. Yeah. So from supporting artists, um, if you're not in a position to purchase a work, but you love their practice, you know, following them or on Instagram and joining their mailing lists and staying in touch and and, and actually taking making the effort to reach out and say, you know, I, I love your practice and, and you're, what you're doing is amazing. Sometimes I think it's easy when we see works on the wall to to forget that you know there's an artist behind each work and they they're in that studio and sometimes it's a bit chilly and they're slogging away you know producing a great huge body of work and um and those messages can can really create momentum and and, and help them remind them because you know a lot of visual artists and, and creatives are self-employed and they need a yeah, support is uh, goes a long way. So you know, well, on that note, there's something very wonderful happening across the Irish Sea in Ireland, where they are piloting a basic income for artists. Mm -hmm. Started last year, it's two thousand people. It's three hundred and twenty-five euros a week, uh, which is taxable, unfortunately. Three to five euros. Okay. So it's not massive, but it's a start. And I'm had some wonderful conversations about that yesterday. And I feel that if something like that comes onto the agenda over here with political change. It's something everyone concerned with. The ecosystem around fine art and all kinds of creativity should be looking for ways to, to push because if that pilot's successful, it's quite likely that we could start to lobby here for such a practice. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's important to remember that we're all 
within this ecosystem, um, people who are interested in the arts and, and potentially buying or not, but certainly interested, but not necessarily involved in arts organizations, they are stakeholders that have power um, because they, they can communicate excessively through the internet and so forth. So perhaps, you know, someone works for a law firm or a corporate and, you know, maybe they haven't thought about having um, an arts panel on their board or, you know, um, in, in a, you know we're very fortunate. We have um, a lead sponsor, JM Finn Wealth. They're a corporate company in the city um, and they support uh, emerging uh, people across industries. They do it for sports, but they also do it with, with our arts program too. Uh, and so they've uh, they funded a bursary for one artist within this exhibition um, to cover their cost, their studio cost for a year. So you know sometimes also for within the organisations that we work in, you know it, it's about having conversations with the right people who, who might be interested in them, um, in, in looking looking at the idea of supporting yeah. uh, young talent. So I'm, I'm interested to understand about identifying talent um, at at, at, a, at this sort of level. Are there tips and tricks or highlights and things that we can think about when it comes to identifying uh, next generation artists? It's quite personal, I think, and also the work that you do um, with Arts Emergency, it's seeing who you could support and what type of support that they need. So for myself, if I, I'm very visually led, so I see an artwork and I would know nothing about the artist. And then I have that feeling like I'm falling in love with a piece of work and I want to find out more about this person. And so that's my very personal way of doing it. I have quite a visceral reaction and it's like, I want to know more about the person or the people who have created this moment and this artwork. I find that um, from having conversations with them, you can figure out which direction they want to go into. So. As a in someone as a as someone in a position of a curator currently, it's really important for me not to be like you should do this, 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 and this because that's a weird type of pressure to put on somebody, especially if they're not so sure of their practice or if they're feeling vulnerable, for example. So a lot of it is talking with them and finding out what they would like. And so, for example, I would men I've mentored artists, or I'm mentoring artists, or supporting artists. And it's around connecting them with other artists and seeing how receptive they are. So you can have that thing where you meet someone and they can speak about their practice perfectly. They have all the language that's there. Or other times you can meet someone who's a bit more shy or needs a bit more direction or would like to go in a slightly different direction. And so from in that way, I can identify who would be best placed to support them. Sometimes you can meet somebody and just tell. It's like, you don't need me. Like here's a number of somebody go off and do this thing and other times it's very much like um have you considered speaking with these people or doing research on this a little bit more because there's a community that's there for you who could support you yeah and that certainly speaks to the need to nourish yeah. talent because talent's a loaded term for me and my job is not to identify talent my job is to cherish all the bright curious young people we can um, and give them the tools of creativity and critical thought and then as they go on a journey, you know, we've set up an organisation that can give wind to the sails in different ways. Mm. Um, and then it is people like Nefertiti who can take them on the, the mm. next phase of their journey, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, for me, it's talent is a kind of a loaded word because mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's an intersection of societal structures mm -hmm. and tastes and mm -hmm. access, you know. That, so mm -hmm. I, I don't really think in those terms. I think more like a gardener. 
and, and just trying to make sure that that ecosystem really, really at the grassroots level. Yeah, absolutely. Because when we were all 16, like, what do we all want to be? Like, we didn't know, did we? And, and you shouldn't know. It shouldn't be a train track to an end destination. It should I knew. be. Did you? Well, uh, <laughs> There you go. But you know, it, sh- it often isn't a train track. Yeah. And like you say, there are different ways and different times when you can find And so the, the artists and creatives come to you broadly, right? Uh, you said you have, you, you have a network of sort of 9,000. They largely come to you. For, for you, Nefertiti, when you're looking to find um, creatives that that are not, let's not use the word talent perhaps, but they, 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 they look like they have a, yeah. you know, a certain trajectory. Where, where, do you, where do you go to find these you know, certain creatives. So, sorry, I was going to say, like, sometimes it's the grad shows, mm-hmm. but then you're going to find an artist who's been through a certain um, pace. Sometimes it's just meeting. I am prone to burnout, so if I go to lots of gallery openings, like, I just need to wear sunglasses and have headphones, which isn't always conducive. Um, if you... And there are places like Black Blossoms, so I don't know if you know Black Blossoms, like Blanley Tajudin's project that she has... Um, she focuses on black women and non-binary folks in the arts Mm -hmm. so that is like you can have someone who's just finished their someone who's just really interested in it and their self-starter so one of the best things about the internet probably one of the few good things apart from like recipes and and pulling people together is the fact that it is pulling people together you can say Mm -hmm. actually I've got this space here would anybody here benefit from applying to this fellowship Mm. and then you can just send it out to that network and a lot of this type of work is really around just pulling away from traditional gatekeepers so there's a lot of language around people being gatekeepers in the arts where it's like did you go to this school do you have this qualification do you know this family do you know these people and a lot of the work has been people saying actually I can't function in that system it's ruining me but I really like my friends here and we make something together Mm. So what I tend to say to people who come to me and say, how do I get a show in the Tate? Is I say, literally people come and say, how do I get a show in the Tate? And I will say about any organization, you just have to get on with it without the Tate because then the Tate will come to find you. And that's always like in my experience, that's how it happens. Um, Curators, institutions, not just the Tate, funded institutions have an aversion to risk Mm. so one of the things is not to be all like pull yourself up by the bootstraps because it's physically impossible to do that is to you have to get on with the work and you have to create and some of the most supportive tutors I've had have said if it's not you then who or um yeah basically if it's not you then who and you don't need permission to be here yeah I think that's such an interesting rabbit hole we could go down about this because I think that I had a really interesting chat with um, Matthew from The Freeze, you know, the guy that started Freeze, which is, a, you know, we've got very different vibes, but it was an interesting chat talking about like the age of abundance and how um, you can find talent, for want of a better word, but you can find good work, strong work in all kinds of different places. And it really slammed into what I was talking with art school leaders yesterday, where there's starting to be internal resistance to ideas of excellence and lowering of thresholds. It feels that... Mm. Things are changing on that side, and at the same time, there's such a groundswell of people making and constructing collaborations and collectives, and it's going to be really interesting to see how how that influences things over time. Mm. You know, because I think those structures are yeah. starting to either change or become redundant. People talk a lot around decentralising. So, in traditional senses, where it's like you'd have a certain career 
So if you consider a gallery, like a big gallery or a space like Freeze to be a broadcast method, they exist here. And then everybody, they send out and people come to them. That's a fairly central way mm -hmm. of being like, it's a block. This is a museum. People come into the museum. The museum exists and they radiate their museumness. Mm -hmm. um, but to decentralize that, you would have smaller collectives or smaller organizations or smaller projects just saying, do you know what? We're going to put on a show. It's much more, mm -hmm. it's lighter. And so to be able to decentralize a museum or this type of structure means that you don't have, you can do things more on your terms as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so that's also really attractive. If you're looking at thinking, I have this opportunity, I'd like to offer it to you. And you don't have to then go through a big museum with lots of um, barriers around you, yeah. for example. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it, with um, where artists have, you're talking about, you know, going and producing work mm. and sort of getting on with it. But there's also the side of marketing yourself and putting on exhibitions. And, you know, I, I was involved in a panel talking about how to be, for artists, to get gallery representation. And, you know, one of the things at the early stage is, you know, it's okay, yeah, sure, everyone wants to get gallery representation, but sometimes, you know, how do you get that? And actually, it's about, you know, putting on exhibitions yourself. So, you know, forming collectives. And, you know, we work with, uh, with, um, a few art collectives that exhibit here at this art fair, but it's, um, you know, if, you, if there are artists in this crowd and, and for, for friends who are artists, you know, putting together, putting on shows, that is a great way for uh, curators and people who have more of a platform to be able to see your work. So, so um, taking the initiative to do that. Uh, and councils are also open. They have, a lot of councils have available spaces um, that they can, um, they, can, they, can, they can share in kind. Um, so just one final question, and then I'll pass the mic on to anybody in the crowd. Um, I love to kind of think about, from an artist's perspective, are there any tips to, for artists or artist friends who, who might be interested in, you know, how do I um, develop as a next-gen artist, and what are things that I should do, sort of one, one, thoughtful, well, one or two thoughtful ideas on, on how I can, yeah. From my side, I think research is really important as an artist, it's not what you get, not necessarily what a person gets into the arts for, but it depends what you want to be doing. So if you're like, okay, in three years time, I want to have had a conversation with this person, this person, this person, who can do this for me. Mm. Some people are really great at being strategic mm. and getting into the room. Um, I think you've got to know what it is that you want first and it brings it within reach for lots of, like, it can bring it within reach for people, but it's also manage your expectations because you could get that thing and that might not be the thing that actually is fulfilling you. So if you're coming out of art school or you're like, I'm gonna start my practice, I'm gonna have a show here, here and here, I'm gonna be represented by here, this person, this person, this person, it's possible. I know people who've like strong-armed their way into getting, um, into getting exhibitions in museums and you can now go and buy the things in the Tate. Like they just harassed a curator. And I do not recommend harassing curators, but they um, please love, but they can do that. I think you've also, you really have to know what it is that you want. So if you want to be a commercial artist, there'll be people who support you in that because you know that's what you want. But um, that, I don't want to make it sound like it's the easiest thing in the world. Oh, because it's not, no, I mean, you've described so much of what happens within our mentoring programs yeah. and coaching programs because it's so often about 
you know, we, we, we meet young people when they're just at the threshold of being curious and creative mm. and they don't know there's an iceberg there and they might want to be a fine artist or some kind of performer, but there's a world below it and, mm. and seeing them navigate it is such a joy and seeing people, especially over time, where you recognise a young person that maybe joined four or five years ago and suddenly they're popping up on our Insta or, you know, mm. they're working for a producer or, you know, it, it, it's quite an organic process. And I think that idea of expectations is really important. Mm. One of the, the key outcomes for our project is that young people begin to expect to succeed in this world. They begin to believe mm. it is possible despite mm. it being difficult. And that seems to be a really interesting, that was something we learned recently with a strategic mm. review. And it seems to be a really powerful idea of just actually <sighs> the mindset. Yeah, almost okay. like manifesting, but the mindset of just, I am doing this, you know, like it's valid mm. and I like that. The words resilience and stuff are so awful to mm. use in relation mm. to art because we mm. should be nourishing and cherishing mm. it. But that's certainly um, something I see in the programme like every week on our Good News channel. There's someone that's discovering a little path or having an experience and you can just, it, it's just like kindling a little light, a little flame, um, which is careful work and amazing people like Nefertiti can take it to the next level. I've also got some tips that I, because I was doing this art world thing yesterday. Yeah, please go ahead. Um, I asked some of these art school leaders for a bit of inside info because I know nothing. I see, what I see is all the industries and all the pursuits, you know, it's a weird vantage point. Um, I was told that the ability to plan and express your ideas will be at an absolute premium within the next 10 years. Mainly it was an AI person and a group of people talking about the changes that will make to practice. Um, I was also told by this amazing woman from Pakistan who works with craftspeople that the human hand is going to be so much more important as we progress and process and knowing about that. She used fashion shows as a good example where now it's standard that people will have these niche kind of ways of making fabric and stuff and talk about that. That seems to be something that's going to be important for artists to communicate going forwards. Um, and then it was, yeah, what Nefertiti said about reaching out to people, building a network, kind of informal mentors, formal mentors, people you can learn from. It's that, yeah, learn all the time was what they told me. I hope that's useful. I have no way of judging whether it is. But. That's brilliant. I'd love to pass the mic to the rest of the crowd if, if anyone has any questions. Can you share, like, your favourite success story of an artist that you do have, like, a highlight in your career or something that's really resonated with you personally about supporting younger artists? Sorry. That's really you. hard because, <laughs> like, it's very subjective, but there is one thing that really resonated for me because I sort of learned my trade in activism and, and then, like, fundraising for, through gigs for, for causes. And there was a young woman I met during our pilot program in 2012 who turned up to the interview, was not interested at all. And we still meet young people like one-to-one -one and just talk about why they've come and what they're interested in. That's the starting point of their journey. And she was like, I like flyering for my friend's music gigs. And I paired her up with someone that was a set designer at the National Theatre. Um, and they had a great year and I hadn't heard anything for a few years. Um, and like, we kind of get used to hearing back, especially when I, it was a small group. So, and then one day, Josie, Josie Long's my co-founder, she's a comedian. She texts me at like 11 o'clock at night to go, bloody hell, I'm doing a benefit gig, like some big charity benefit gig. And that girl we met at B6 College is running the, running the stage and she was running the tech for the stage. So there was something about that. We take no credit for it, but the way it was natural, it was organic, it was by chance. It felt like, that's when I knew Arts Emergency was onto something because it was something authentic and it wasn't engineered. 
but we've kind of done a bit to set the context for that journey, I guess. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Thanks. Um, that was really nice. And it is nice when um, it's that thing. It's like not taking any credit for that. We just were part of that person's, nice. yeah, we were part of that person's story. You, you gave them some space and they, they took with it. And I think that's really important. Um, I suppose the thing is there wouldn't be a single success if we're looking at the idea of it being something that's transformative and constantly changing, but the um, knowing that you're no longer needed, but also the point where they, or the people you've worked with, are, you're now going to them for advice on things. Like that is like... Yeah, yeah. there's a young woman that joined in 2012, is now on my board, award-winning literary agent. Yeah. Like, I'm just literally like waiting for her to get me a book deal. <laughs> <laughs> who, do, who would do your audio book? Oh, Ray Winston. <laughs> From your childhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Um, Daniel Kaluuya could do my one. Like. I'm after him so hard right now. Yeah, uh, he can probably feel it. Um, see, this is also another thing. It's like recognizing what your your own networks are. So we have a trustee. We have a board of trustees at Peckham Platform and your trustees or these groups of people who dedicate are amazing and it's but also recognizing that you don't have to be a trustee to have influence or to have a way that you can move things along for people so when people think about donating to charity they tend to think about like well i don't necessarily have money but it's also like do you have time could you help someone draft a funding application could you help them better understand how government works in their local authority and on a national scale can you like if you are a person with experience and have lived a life it doesn't matter whether you're just coming into something or you've been established in it like the best mentor I ever had was um she worked in comms at a bank in the city and it was just yeah exactly like to like and it was that difference of perspective where like we, I went to school a mile away from where she went, and that mile was a huge gap. Mm. But she was a mentor, and I still, I will like still contact her about certain things. Like, it's that, it's that thing that the value that you have isn't necessarily strictly monetary. Like your experience can be amazing. Hundred yeah. percent. That's arts emergency all over. Like we're, I mean, we're funded by fivers a month in the majority, and the people that support us are the people that are most stretched in these industries and in the cost of living crisis and it's a beautiful and fragile thing and that's that's mutual aid right that is literally people helping each other in ways that they can and that's what started the project and this is when you talk about collectives and, and de developing practice and profile together it's exactly the same thing like this stuff happens anyway i think we're just seeing it start to come more into the consciousness of, of certain sort of power blocks and things like that but it, it's been going on for years and it's just nice to be part of it isn't it <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Arts Emergency's programmes, head to their website at arts-emergency.org. And to keep in touch with all things Affordable Art Fair, sign up to our newsletter today at affordableartfair.com.